0: the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. You probably wonder why I have one sleeve rolled up and one sleeve down. Didn't notice? Well, it's because I have poison ivy right here and I have some some grease on it. I don't want to get it on my sleeve. That's why. Let's all stand for a word of prayer before we go on here. Lord Jesus, we are here for you and because of you. And it is our desire to Honor you with all of her life. It is our desire, Lord, to be images of you. It's our desire, Lord, to absolutely trust you with not only this life, but eternal life. So we pray, Lord, for. Now this morning, for grace, for wisdom, for words, to be able to stand before your congregation and uphold and lift up you. That's our desire. And Father... I know for myself at least I need some help in that sometimes I and I admit and have acknowledged this to you sometimes I don't do that like I should but Father that is my desire And so this morning, Lord, as we stand before you, we all stand before you, we're all coming before you this morning, and we're waiting for you to speak to our hearts. It's not necessarily so much what I say, but it's what you say in our hearts that matters. So we pray, Lord, that you would, with your Holy Spirit, come and and soften all of our hearts, Make our hearts receptive, willing to receive, willing to admit, willing to acknowledge, willing to repent, willing to praise you this morning. We look up to you. You are our example that we can pattern our lives after. Absolutely and entirely, and we pray, Father, that the the fruit and the the uh, the thing that comes out of today might be a little more um, pure, a little more holy, a little more right and righteous. That the fruit that comes out of day than it was yesterday or the day before. Because sometime we're going to reach the other shore, so to speak, as our brother Laverne has gone and and many others, but sometime we're going to reach the other shore and there will be a time of judgment. There will be the final say. I don't know how it'll all be, but I know that there is two ways. There is the sheep on your right hand and the goose on your left. So we pray this morning, Father, that as we sail across this sea of life, that when we reach the other shore, there will be a welcome, glad reunion. That there will be a well done awaiting us not, depart from me, I never knew you. Help us, Lord, to do this, to be more and more conformed to your image, that we might have that welcome home. Instead of that, depart from me. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. That last song we sang, it said, land me safe on Canaan's shore, I believe is what it said. That is my prayer also. I'm struggling with, to be real honest with you or clear with you, I'm struggling with how to start and how to end this message. I'm going to start, I think, with this. It's a little allegory. <clears throat> I want to, the, this, this, the allegory is intended to describe and portray, well, I'll just, I will read it here too, and maybe explain a little bit as we go. I see a man standing on a great sea before him. In the great beyond he knows there is another shore. He has in his hand a book. And he has been told that this book is the book of truth. It tells him of things he doesn't fully understand. But he knows that someday he will understand. At least others have told him that. He's read this book. At least some of it. It was given to him by an older, wiser man that he trusts, and he's read enough to know that there is, as we said, another shore to which he is called to go. He knows it won't be long before he'll be called by powers beyond his control. He's going to be called to cross this sea by powers beyond his control. And he cannot disobey to get into the sea and go. There's no choice. This man is beginning to understand in his life the difference between right and wrong. He's beginning to understand that there is a good way and a not so good way. He's beginning beginning to understand that he has choices he needs to make. He's beginning to understand that he needs to realize, he's beginning to realize that he will need to make a decision about how he's going to cross this great sea. He's standing here on the shore. He can't see the other side. But there's a great sea out there, and he knows he needs to cross that sea. <clears throat> he wonders... He fears. Something is telling him that he needs more than what he has now to get across this sea. As he looks, he sees others in this great sea before him. There's others out there. He sees some out there that are floundering and crying for help. He sees some floating along without a care. Others seem to be completely at home in the water, oblivious to anything. They're just enjoying the experience. No books in their hands. Too cumbersome. As he looks a little closer, he also sees there are some in boats. And those in those boats, it seems like to him, as he views this, they are doing a lot of work. They're rowing and they're doing the things they need to do in these boats and it just seems like it's just, hard to make it go and it's just a lot of work there he looks at these on the sea some of them are just floating along without a boat some of them are struggling but but the people or there's one person per boat there's two seats He watches these people in these boats and he says, he thinks, wow, what a lot of work. There's sweat and there's tears and there's struggles and there's, it's just work. They are encumbered by these boats from this person's point of view because they have all this work to do. And he notices there's no pleasure in these boats. It doesn't make sense to him. Why would people get in the boat when he sees these other people out here floating on the sea and they're just enjoying it? But in these boats, there's, there's, there's a struggle. There's things have to be, they have to deal with things in these boats. <clears throat> not much fun in those boats as he's looking at it. Again, he looks a little closer and he realizes that not all boats are that way. Some boats, there is a clear peace and calm about those boats. He notices in these boats in that are peaceful and calm that the people in those boats are just kind of common people. They're just... There's not the high and mighty in those boats. Just common people. No glamour. No big show. Just common people. He also notices and and observes that of all these people out here on this sea, there's way more people that don't have boats than those that do have boats. These boats to where there is in these boats. He sees some in need of repair. They're leaking a little. They're not doing too well. They're not going very fast. They spend some of the time just taking out the water that comes in. Maybe a lot of time. <clears throat> None of these boats are great and wealthy boats. They are simple little boats two seats one person none of these boats have in their in their bow out there any kind of worldly entertainment and stuff that that just makes life fun and easy they they're not there they're just plain simple boats some boats are better cared for than others. Some boats are shinier than others. Some people have taken great care to make these boats really nice on the outside. They make them, they shine them all up and they just look like nice boats. Humble boats, small boats, but they're taken care of. Some boats, they've actually painted camouflage on the side like waves of the sea, it seems to him that they are trying to make them a little less noticeable. He also noticed some of these boats. Some are riding high in the water and some are down here just slogging along. Water can go side once in a while and they have to bail it out. It's a little strange to him, but he notices that some of these boats, they seem to weather the storms better than others. In those boats that seem to weather the storm better, he can't actually see it, but he senses There's a presence in that other seat. There's a presence there. Those boats, they are very aware of the storms and the dangers they're in. They clearly have a goal in mind, they want to keep their boat going one direction. There's another thing he notices about these boats that are going saying, going in one direction and they clearly have a a a vision and a purpose hes He notices that they're constantly reading this book they're constantly turning the page of this book, looking up, seeing where they're going turning looking reading the book, correcting a little bit as they read. He looks at that book a little closer, and he notices it's the same book he has in his hand. It has the same thing in it. Storms, they come occasionally. Some storms it's, it's clearly obvious to him as he's standing here watching, that some storms are harder on some than others. Some boats make it through the storms better than others. Some people that are floating on the ocean, floating on this sea, they make it through better than the others. Some of them are floundering. Some make it better than others. He wonders about these storms. Where do these storms come from? He reads his book. And he realizes that these storms come from the maker of the boats. The storms come from the maker of the boats. He wonders at that. He also notices as these boats are floating along, and, or as they're rowing them and they're moving along, he notices that some boats seem to have a different purpose and vision than other boats. Some boats, it seems, they are actually working around a, a, a person or people that are floundering in the, in the sea. They're working with them. They're paying attention to them. They're giving them words. They're instructing them. They're talking to them. And, and he notices that the people in those boats are very serious about it. They are very concerned about these people that are floundering. In in these these boats, these these boats that are concerned and even the boats that are moving along, doing other things. He notices that there is a peace there. I think I mentioned this earlier, but I'll say it again. There's a peace in those boats that passes understanding. The storms, the calm, the waves, there's just a peace there. Hmm. There's just a peace there. Some boats are, as these storms come, some boats are affected more than others. Some boats seem to float along and some boats seem to really flounder. But he notices that everybody out on that sea, at some point in time, is hit by storms. No one escapes all the storms. Some have more storms than others, but no one escapes all of them. Some of these people, he noticed now he looks again at the people in the water and he says, and, and he thinks to himself, some of those people don't even realize that these storms are coming and that they're that they're um, barely making it. They're, they're, they don't realize they're almost to drown, they're they're struggling, they don't even realize. They're just trying to. Move along through this sea. Everybody, not everybody realizes, as this man on the shore does, not everybody realizes that there is another shore that someday they will land on. And then it will be different. Not everybody realizes that. So he decides to ask some questions to these men, these people out on the sea. He, say he calls out to them and he calls out to the ones in the boats and he says, uh, why do you have boats and others don't? They tell him, we got our boat by asking for it. We got our boat by asking for it. Some say they got it when they stepped into the sea, they asked for the boat, it was there, they stepped in, and they have been in the boat ever since. Some say, we started out without a boat, we thought we could make it across, but realized we needed a boat. That's what some of them answer. Those that were out on the sea and even those that got their boat as they started out on the sea, they realized as they looked out on the sea or as they read their book, different ways they found out in different ways, that they couldn't make it across. They couldn't make it across without a boat. They realized that. So he asked them, well, so how do you get a boat? They said, there is a builder of boats that you need to call out to. You need to ask for a boat. There's a builder of boats. You just need to ask. Those in the boat said, be sure to get your boat before you get in the sea. Those in the sea that didn't have a boat and didn't seem to care said, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Look, we're doing okay. We're floating along. Besides that, the water's cool and refreshing, and come on in and enjoy it. As this man stood there and was observing all of these things, he realized that his time was drawing very close to get into the sea. It was very close. He realized that he didn't have a choice. There was no turning back. He turned around and there's no place to go. He had to go into the sea. So as he contemplated that, he He listened a bit also to the conversation to these people in these boats. And he noticed that they were, all of them were talking about at, at some point in their conversation and all their conversation eventually led to the boat itself. They said, they kept, he would call out them and they would point to the boat and they would talk about the safety of the boat. They'd talk about the beauty of the boat. They would even talk about some of the things that were a little bit difficult on the boat. He wasn't so sure what to do. Here he was. There were some obviously enjoying this thing. With no boat, no cumbersome book. They just were out there on the sea and they loved it. The ones in the boats, he noticed, were not talking about how fast they were going or how strong they were or how far they had come. They were talking about the boat and they were talking about the people in the sea that were floundering. That was their focus. They obviously loved their boat and they gave the credit to the boat. They took no credit on themselves. They also pointed to the book because he was speaking to them and they would point to the book. It seemed to him, as he watched them, they never laid that book down. For some reason, that they held on to that book like it was their life. They didn't take any credit for where they were or what they were doing. They just depended on the boat. As he looked again, he noticed that there was another phenomenon happening. Out there on this sea. I mentioned it briefly earlier. But here they were. There were some out there that were floundering and they began to cry out for help. And miraculously, a boat appeared. A boat appeared. They asked and they received a boat. They got a boat. That was that was astounding to him. He didn't understand that, but he saw it happen. He said, It's a miracle. It must be a miracle. He turns again then to his book that he has in his hand. And he read about a man on a cross. He read about a man that endured ridicule and shame. He read about a man that was suffered. He read about a man that had a vision but was willing to make a sacrifice. He read about that man. That's what he read about. He's standing on this shore, the sea ahead of him. He sees all these things out in front of him. He's reading his book. The book tells him that this man had a father. And this man's father loved all people. So much so that he gave his son, this man, the responsibility to build as many boats as he needed and the father would give him all the materials he needed. The son had no... There was no question about whether or not he would have enough materials or money or anything else to build boats. The father said, I'll give you all the money, all the material you need to build any amount of boats that you need. In fact, his father told him, the more boats you build, the better. This man didn't hardly know what to do with it all. He turned his attention back to the sea, especially the ones not in the boats. He hears their calls to come join him, join them. It seems they're oblivious to the boats around them. It seems that some of them are even making fun of the boats. But most of them, especially the one in one area of the sea, it seems they're especially enjoying their situation. No boats, no cares, just floating along. But he also noticed something about them that made him start a little bit. He noticed that as they were floating along, then he watched them for a while. And he realized that as they floated, they began to sink a little lower and a little lower in the water. They weren't floating as high as they used to as he watched them. He wondered why somebody in the boats don't come help them. They obviously needed help, and they didn't even know it. It seemed to him that sometimes that more storms hit the boats than it did these people out here. That didn't make sense to him. He also noticed that the people out here on the, in the water with no boats, they tried to ignore the storm. They tried to just pass it off and say, That's not for me. They tried to, not storming, no, it's okay. They tried to do that. They seemed to be ignorant of the danger they were in. Now we stand on the shore of life. All of us do. Some of us have reached an age when we realize I'm soon going to be in this water. Some of us are still on this earthy side and we have not yet pushed off the shore. But we will be pushed into the water. There's a power beyond them, above them, greater than them, that forces them to do this. You could call it life. You could call it age. You could call it that's just the way things happen. But all of us will be sometime step off of that shore. Many of us here have already done that. Some of us here have not. Some of us here are at that place of I need to make a decision, and you know it. And some of you, and that is not necessarily something that some of you have to fear. And some of you are not afraid of that. Some of you are. Some of you don't want to step into the water. You want to keep holding back. You want to keep standing and resisting and resisting and resisting. To This great, great power beyond is pushing you just gently, gently, gently. It's forcing you to do something. <coughs> As you stand on this shore, you realize that someday you have no choice. You hear the calls out there, "Come on in, the water's fine. You don't need a boat. You hear calls out there. You do need a boat. You need something that you can that's going to transport you across this sea. Some of you know that. Some of them tell you, it's okay, you got plenty of time, come on in. You can get a boat whenever you want it. I forgot to mention, as this man is standing there on the shore, he notices all these people. And he notices as he watches a few, looks away, Looks back, there's one gone. He's not there. You can't build your own boat. You stand on this shore, there's only one place you can get a boat. You can't, there are no materials. There's nothing you can do. There's no life-saving equipment. There's nothing around there for for you to grab hold of and say, this will save me. You have to get a boat from the boat maker. As he stands there and considers, some of them, he hears some of the people saying, Look how easy it is to float along and look at the boats. I'm just floating. I'm not even really doing anything i'm just it's just life is easy. These people over here in the boats they're working they're rowing they're 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 doing their thing, they're trying to help others they're 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 busy and they're they get tired sometimes. Some of them they're out there that are floundering or floating along, they look at those, those rowing and say, ah, they say, I see you have a book in your hand. And they say, the book says that this boat is a gift. And all you need to do is trust the boat and you'll sail safely across it. But they say the book says that, but you see all these people in these boats? See how see how hard they're rowing and how difficult it is, and and sometimes they're crying and sometimes they're they're happy. But 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 it's they see a they see a difficulty there and and they say, Your book tells you something that tells you that life will be hard in the boat, so why go in the boat? this is the one conversation about this and the bo- one in the boat answer this way they say yes I'm rowing I'm not rowing to save myself I'm rowing because I'm in a boat and the maker of the boat gave me some oars and he said row and I'm trusting that maker that boat i'm going to trust him he notices that as these people row the ones closer to the shore they're sweating there it's hard once a little farther out, they, he realizes that the, that the rowing strokes are a little stronger, a little more steady, a little more effective. He asked them about this, and they say this: He said, "It's a lot like your physical muscles." Everybody knows when we exercise our physical muscles, they get stronger to a point. So the more you exercise, the stronger you get. The ones in the boat said, that's what's going on. I I have rowed this boat for long enough that my faith has increased and I have a stronger faith than I did when I started. Exercise your faith. Exercise your strength. Because it will get stronger. If you just barely lazy along, your faith will continue to be struggled. But you exercise it and it becomes stronger. Take notice, make a mark on the shore, and you row, and you notice I've gained something. That's not for pride. That's because you have, a, you have a goal you're rowing for. And Jesus says, the maker of these boats, excuse me, the maker of these boats said, you're going from here to there. And over there is what this boat is going to help you get over there too. When you get there, I'll take care of the boat. As we continue to row, Physically, our our hands will get stronger. Our arms get stronger. We know that. Same way with faith. In Galatians 6, verse 9, he says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I have a quote here from the early Christian. I don't know who wrote it. It's, it's it anonymous as far as I got it. As we row and as, we, as we, are, we, are, um, we, we visit with those in the water and we visit with those on other boats and, and we uh, realize that there are those that are actually trying to hold us back. They're trying. It just seems like their motive is to just hold us back. They, they, they do their effort to, to send extra waves your way or whatever it might be to hinder you. The book tells him, the book tells me, the book tells us, our goal is not necessarily to destroy all the evil around us or get rid of it all, but our goal the other shore. That's our goal. We have to deal with these, these afflictions, these storms as we go through life. But our goal is the other shore. So this is the quote. This is from an early Christian. I don't know who it was. Keep about your work. Do not flinch because the lions roar or the sea rages. Do not stop to stone the devil's dogs. Do not fool away your time chasing the devil's rabbits. Do your work. Row. Keep your faith. He, the boatmaker, God, has never bidden you to defend your character. He is not telling you that your job is to make sure this boat stays afloat. Your job is to stay in the boat and row and do what he asks you to do. But he doesn't tell you, be sure the boat stays afloat. He takes care of that. He has not set you at work to contradict the falsehood about you, which Satan and his servants may start to peddle. And this is is the important part of this quote. If you do those things, you will do nothing else. You will be at work for yourself and not for the Lord. You do not need to defend your character. Your character is what it is. In fact, character is built by keeping your eyes on the goal. Character is built by putting your faith and your trust in that boat. Character is built By obeying what this book says, this man has, that he's holding on to. Your character is built by this. I want to emphasize that. Now I realize, well, I'll go on. Your character. What your job is. You may say, Brother Mark... We're going through some things I don't know what you want to call them here at Zion Christian Fellowship. You could call them issues. you could call them struggles, you could call them life, you could call them whatever you want to call them. But we're going through something. We all know that. That's no secret. So why are you talking about boats in this little allegory? It's because even though we're in the boats, remember, there were some that were floundering. There were some that were riding low in the water. There were some that were leaking. There were some that were being overtaken by water. And there were some floating high. They, were, they, were clearly, they clearly had a, a vision and a direction. They were clearly on top of where they were supposed to go. I I bring this message because whether we're floundering, whether we're riding high, whether we're rowing hard or not rowing so hard, this boat is your salvation. And I I don't know, I didn't, I could have made an allegory probably putting the church as a boat and all those kind of things. I didn't. I want every individual to get in these boats. As you reach that age when you realize that there is a need for you to make a decision, you're going into the water. You're going to go through life. You are going to make a decision some way. And I say that to those of us who are riding high, those of us who might not be riding so high in the water. Stay in the boat, read the book. Keep rowing, keep exercising, keep strengthening. That is going to be your slash our salvation. That's why I give this little allegory to you. I'll talk about the boat maker a little bit. As you know, his name is Jesus. Jesus. And as you know he was born here in this world just as a little baby. God said in the beginning let us make man in our own image indicating there's there's more than one if that's the right way to say it. John tells us that that tells us that the word Jesus Christ was in the beginning. Now i grant you, it's a little difficult sometimes to separate out what we call the Trinity. There is three parts of the Godhead. There's the Father, there's the Son, and there's the Holy Ghost. But this, this Jesus we want to talk about just briefly is a man who has been given a responsibility. And we told you this already. He's been told by the boatmaker, make all the boats you need. I'll supply everything you need to do it. And they'll they'll happen as quick as you need them to happen. This this Jesus was born as a baby. He was before. He came down here and exemplified, if I may say it this way, uh, there may be some missing pieces here, but I want to say it this way. He came down here and was born again. Now we know he wasn't. But same time, Here he is being born. And it shows pretty clearly also, you can can correlate that with our new birth, with our deciding that we have everything to gain and nothing to lose to die. Jesus was born again as a baby. I realize there's some missing pieces there, but another thing about this, Jesus was as he grew up, he was submitted this is the boatmaker. This is the person. This is the God that I want to lay before you, present before you as your way to salvation. Not only in this life, but your way to working through these things we're working through as a church. This Jesus is your answer. Some of you may need to row really hard. You may need to exercise your faith. Some of you may say, no, I know this is going to be okay. We're going to walk through this. You may be riding high. Some of you may be floundering a bit. Jesus, our example, as our example, He was submitted. I need also to submit. I need to be born again. I need to submit. He says, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. This is what the book says. This Jesus, he was a fisherman. He worked, Brother Clint. Excuse me. He. he He was a fisherman in in theory more than practice, but he was a fisherman. He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. This Jesus was one of these boats and these people in these boats that was out there. He was there paying attention to the other people that were floundering there. Not all boats were doing that. Some boats were, and that's okay. But all the people in the boats, let me emphasize this, all the people in the boats were doing two things. They were pointing to the boat, maybe three things. They were pointing to the boat and saying, this is my salvation, this is not me, this is what was given to me. Second thing they were doing, they were reading the book to make sure that they were heading the right direction. The third thing they were doing was rowing. Without rowing, it's impossible to get where you want to go. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Jesus was obedient. I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. I'm only wanting to do the will of my Father. What my Father tells me is what I will do. Jesus was meek and humble. Probably the one character. There are a lot of characters about Jesus. You could talk about his love, which is also a great great aspect of his character. But the one character that stands out to me, and maybe it's because I need it the most. He was humble. He was humble. He was willing to help others at his own expense. He was willing to point the glory back to where it belonged. He took no credit for himself. He pointed it back to the Father. I'm only doing the will of the Father. That's all I'm doing. This Jesus, being humble, being meek, being lowly, is showing us the way as we walk through our sea of light. Paul testified to this in one place. He says, I beseech you, by the meekness and gentleness of Christ let me let me do a little practical application here if I may, as we walk through. As a church. I don't even see any visitors here. That don't know. That we are. What we're walking through. As we walk through. As a church. One of the greatest attributes. And attitudes. And characters. That we can each one have. Is this one. Now. Again. We could talk about love. And amen to that. I say one of the greatest. That we might each one. One. Take on this spirit, character of Christ, of humility and meekness. Not about what I want. It's about what Jesus wants. It's about what his body wants. Thirdly, I come in there somewhere. But these two first. I I put myself up there to where... I'm going to press for this because this is what I want. And we all know what happens with that. What happens is we receive resistance. We are attempting to, we're leaving the example of Christ of saying, not my will, but thine be done. That's not saying, let me go on and say this, that's not saying, in fact, we want, and i I, could have said this last night, but I'll say it here. The value of diversity. I am a hundred percent in favor of unity, but none of us are made alike. Vernon has a different opinion than Brother Larry does. Some things. Ask him a question. Maybe give two answers. Two different answers. Good, right? Both right answers. Different. The value of diversity is, and God made us this way, so that whenever we come together. And we are going to make a decision together. It brings in all the different aspects. I've marveled. I've sat down and said, I think it ought to be this way, this way, this way, and this way. I take it to my elders They're at Living Hope. They're back home. And they say, well, what about this? Or what about that? Or they bring something to us, and we three talk about it, and we come up with something that's better than what I did. That is beautiful. The value of diversity. Now, that's not saying that I am, I am promoting everybody hold on to their diversity but everybody should also be able to present their gifts and their diversity in a way that it can be a benefit to the body not a division to the body meekness and humility one of the key attributes of Jesus we want to have number i don't know how many numbers it is Jesus prayed now I believe we're all praying people. I saw a sign. we're staying at a house this, this weekend. I saw a sign, I believe it was in the bathroom, and it said not exactly sure what it said. I, I'm saying it at Brother Dillon's, He could probably tell me or his wife, "Have you remembered to pray?" Something like that. Or "Have you prayed today?" I'm not sure what the sign says. He's exactly. asking something like that. Good question. good question. Maybe some of you are all spiritual enough and you're all in tune enough that you don't need that reminder. But maybe some of us do. This boat maker wants us to kneel down in our boats and pray. Not to make it a habit where you do it just because it's time to pray, so now you go pray. But to make it so much a part of life, that's how you live. And I have I have room to grow in this. I'll grant you I do. There's work to do, Brother Clinton. We've got to go to work and we have to we have to focus on things and we've got to concentrate to be a good, good good employee and a good worker, no doubt about that. It's a little like Zach Poonin said one time, he said you're, it's it's a little like a rubber band. You can tell how spiritual are, how spiritual you are, when your mind relaxes, where's your mind go? If your rubber band is fastened to prayer, God spiritual things, you let your mind relax, that's where it goes. If your mind is fastened and your heart is fastened on these things on earth, let go of the things when you have to concentrate, where does your mind go? Jesus prayed. Have you prayed today? Did you remember to pray? There's another aspect of Jesus that I want to touch on briefly. And it's and you children could probably give me this verse. You could probably quote it to me. The shortest verse in the Bible. You know what it is? What is it? Jesus wept. That's a beautiful verse. Take it out of context. Put it in context. But take it out of context. Jesus wept. Jesus knew how to allow the Spirit of God take him to places of brokenness and weeping. Recognizing of myself, Father, I can't do this. I need your help. With tears. Jesus wept. One time, maybe I've said this before, I don't remember one time, William Booth, he was the originator kind of the Salvation Army. He had this, I think he called them generals, that uh is his way back. I think it telegraphed him or tele yeah, telegraph, telegraphed him, and he told, I don't remember exact telegraph, but it said uh the essence was I have tried everything on this man and nothing works. William Booth wrote back and he said. Try tears. Try tears. Jesus wept. Jesus suffered. Jesus forgave. Jesus died. Apply this to us. Suffering, forgiving, dying. Jesus rose again, and I'll put that in the context of We die and we simply get down to where we can't go anymore, but we get up again and go on. He rose again. And He's coming back. He's coming back. Now, let me give you one last passage here. Philippians chapter 3 verse 13 says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended or to have attained or gained or overcome everything. But this one thing I do. I don't say I have overcome everything and it's been all, I've apprehended everything, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind. Reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Brother Clinton made a, a, a plea this morning. And I'd like to capitalize on that just a little bit. He pled. He encouraged. I'm not sure what words he used. That there could be some young men get a hold of a, I don't know how he said it, I'll put it in my words, get a hold of a vision, not to attain to physical wealth or um a status in life where your respected status necessarily. Not to attain to just the normal run of the mill, this is the way you do things type of life. He and I am I am also. I feel it is a very excellent encouragement. That's poorly said. But I'd like to challenge all of you young men. Young ladies are not exempt. Yours will look a little different than the young men, but you're not exempt. Get a hold now. Whether you started out on that sea of life or not, or whether you're just waiting about, ready to get in there. Get a boat. And I would give you this. Right on the bow of that boat. When you get that boat, the first thing you do when you get in that boat, you ride on that bow. Dedicated to Jesus Christ and His ways. Dedicated. You you know young men, 12, 13, however old you are. 14, 15, however old you are. I don't know when you reach the edge of that shore always. Somewhere along that line there, you have a decision to make. Young men, young ladies. You could have no higher calling in life and receive no greater reward ever, anywhere, anytime, than to put on your bow of your boat dedicated to Jesus Christ. We look up to Paul. Paul, how'd you do it? What's your key? What's the secret? Why? And I think I read you the answer. It says I count not myself to have overcome all things, but this one thing I do: I've done a lot of sins back here, and I've done a lot of things wrong. I haven't done everything right. Forgetting those things which are behind. Taking care of those things. And reaching forth. I press. I don't know what that word press means. I don't know what the Greek word, all the meanings it would have. But I'd like to think that it means I dedicate my life toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let's all kneel together in prayer. Lord, here we are. We have before us life, we have decisions, all different decisions. But Father, as we come to you, we pray. I don't know how to ask this. I don't know how you do it. But we pray that your Holy Spirit would come and affect us. That it would give us guidance and direction. That it would give us answers. It would give us energy, motivation. It would give us strength. We pray, Father, You would do that for us. That as we move forward in life, as we move forward as a church, that, Lord, there would be a strength here, a clear witness and testimony of the Spirit of God working in our lives to the extent that people sit back and marvel. How did they do it? Oh, God, I pray that sometime... That testimony, that that question would be asked, how did they do it? As we come through, and as we work through the things we're working with here. Sometimes somebody would ask, how did they do it? And we would point to the book and we'd point to the boat. I pray, Father, give us each one that vision, that desire, that Motivation that fervent fervency to walk with you. You submitted, you prayed, you wept, you overcame. Father, I pray, help us to have that spirit of Christ and his relationship, your relationship with the Father. That relationship, to have that kind of relationship with you, which in turn interprets into with each other. I pray for that, Lord Jesus. Make your testimony known here at Zion Christian Fellowship of men and women that they're, they walk with God. They're, they're in a boat and there is a presence beside of them giving them grace. And they pray and they weep and they submit and they overcome. So Father, as we end our prayer with you. May your will be done. Send those storms of life that we need to strengthen us. Give us encouragement to keep rowing. Our faith is strengthened. We pray, Father, that you would receive the glory in all these things. In Jesus' name, amen.